0: listener and welcome to a brand new episode of Injury Time, your one-stop shop for everything Indian football. I'm your host Naveen and in today's episode, I have two guys from different time zones, from different parts of the world, because we are discussing the Asian Cup for one last time on Injury Time. I've been joined by Uri Levy from Jerusalem, who is the founder and editor of Baba Goal. Hello Uri. Hey,
1: hey, hey Naveen. It's so good to be on board with you and Scott here.
0: And thanks a lot for being on the show, Rhi. And also joining us once again on Injury Time is Scott McIntyre from Tokyo. Hello, Scott.
2: Hello, folks. Uh, coming to you from a bar, actually, uh, in in Tokyo. And it's great to be on the show again. And uh, you said we're coming from different uh, time zones, but we're coming from the the, the same uh, ben mentality and the same background, which is important. And that's uh, We're all our fans and, and advocates of Asian football, so it's great to be on the show and,
0: uh, and talking about those things again. Absolutely. So without wasting much time, let's just start... Right with it, Uri coming to you first. Asian Cup returning to West Asia for the first time after 2007. How big was this for Mina as a, as a whole? Ah, I mean, look, uh, I think uh, we've all seen
1: a, a very interesting phenomenon in the in this uh, Asian Cup. As as you said, the last time a West Asian team has won the tournament was in 2007 and. Here we actually see uh, some kind of uh say the uh of the renaissance of uh, of Arab people in a way that we've witnessed in the, in the World Cup uh, uh, or four five the men are representative of the uh, uh, in Qatar. Uh, uh, Basically, a huge surprise and yeah. controversial. They the very attractive, and uh, durable football quality together with Iran, that was
0: another team, uh,
1: it's Big, it's big for people in the region, it's big for football. Uh, you know. First, uh, with all the politics mixed in with it, for the people, it was
0: a big thing. Qatar won their first ever Asian Cup. Does this come as a surprise for everyone of us? Well,
1: it it was a surprise, but you know, for for people who follow what Qatar is doing in the past years, it wasn't that surprising. And I think also people who listen to the Asian Cup uh, podcast of uh, of Scott, uh, which is a is a great uh, Asian football podcast. Um, the Asian game uh, already knew that Qatar will show something that we haven't seen from her yet, and I believe uh, you know for the masses. It was a huge surprise. For people who don't uh, interact with Asian uh, football, it was a huge surprise. For people who do not familiar with Middle Eastern football, it's a huge surprise. But for us, and especially for people, uh, you know, from the Middle East, it wasn't a surprise at all. Because we know that Qatar is investing in football and football education for many years back. Uh, With the Aspire Academy and the fact that, you know, the same coach is going with these players for so long and from the academy to the under-16, the under-19, the under-20, the under-21 and the senior team, uh, it was, you know, it was big to see them doing it in the Emirates with all the political connection, but... uh, I can't say I was too surprised to see finally Qatar booming after many years of work and investment.
0: Well we'll get into that geopolitics a bit later but Scott coming to you now. How did Japan perceive this final? What was the reaction back in Tokyo once he got back?
2: I think it was, um, as uh, Uri said. I mean, I think the the people that uh, have uh, been closely following Asian football they knew uh, the work that had been going on in uh, not just in Qatar but the other nations that we saw uh, really uh, perhaps for some uh, exceeding expectations the likes of the uh, Vietnam, which I've spoken about uh, for a long time. But I think uh, the the people that knew what was going on for them, it's not a surprise. And 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 if uh, if we can say it was a surprise, maybe at the start of the tournament, it certainly wasn't uh, by the end. Of the tournament because this was a, a Qatari team, uh, leaving aside the, uh, in my opinion, the legitimate questions around the uh, eligibility of certain players, which uh, I think has cast a shadow uh, that will continue to, uh, to linger for uh, for a while to come until this is all resolved. <laughs> but leaving that aside for now, I mean, uh, if you looked at this team throughout the tournament, by the time they reached the final, they hadn't conceded a, a single goal, and I think had scored 16. So if it was a surprise at the beginning, it was certainly not uh, by the time. Uh, that they got to to that point in Japan, I think uh, we can also say, had really uh, struggled to get to the final. I mean, they struggled in the first match uh, to even see off uh, Turkmenistan. were were lucky in that game. They were they were fortunate against Oman. Uh, the the final group stage match was when the B team was playing, and in my opinion, that was the best they looked uh, throughout the tournament. And then, of course, they were rather fortunate to, to get past Iran in the semifinals as well. With the, you know that uh, really a uh, cataclysmic. Um, uh, lack of focus that, that lets led to that uh, first goal. So I think uh, people here are, I, I think in a way you know pleased that the team had made the final, but also understanding that they weren't uh, the best team in the tournament. They weren't the best team in the final, and it wasn't you know a, a sequence of um you know uh, tragic or perhaps inexcusable um uh, errors that led to the loss. I mean they were clearly. Uh, and I think it, most Japanese people admit, the second best team in that final. So from that point of view, uh, you can have a little argument that you that you lost that game and didn't win the title.
0: Guys, that about the Asian Cup and Japan and Qatar. But these two teams will be in June heading to Brazil for the Coupa America. How do you see them fair? What should be their target going into Copa America? Yuri, uh, to you with Qatar first. Uh, well, I can tell
1: you one thing, you know, uh, in a way... Uh... It's really exciting to think that the two finalists of the the Asian Cup are going to participate in the the most ancient uh, national team competition in the world. An idea that uh, I was some kind of uh, despising him before the tournament. I'm kind of uh, getting him and uh, taking him in much more uh, interest now because I think that... um, Look, the football world is changing, and uh, and few trends have left their their home bases and are going to different directions. And I think that first of all, um, for Qatar as a project is a is a, and I would call a, I will call this team now a, an ambassador of Middle Eastern football at the moment. Uh, For them, it will be a brilliant uh, experience because Qatar are building something for 2022 World Cup. They are not building it. uh, Even, you know, the victory uh, against Japan in the final of the Asian Cup, it was a big thing. It was an important thing. And, uh, you know, there is no question about it. A a happy moment for them uh, and everything is all right. But the real thing... is uh, is the World Cup in 2022, and Qatar needs to compete with better teams. They need to compete with teams uh, in the top of the world, uh, such as Brazil, Argentina, Colombia, and also Chile, Peru, and, you know, things that will put these players, young players, we must say, into big tests right now for Japan as well. And Scott uh, mentioned the, the weird uh, choosing, uh, uh, choosing this coach and this approach after such an inspirational 2018 World Cup from Japan uh, and to pick something so conservative was for me also quite disappointed from, from, from you know, this endless uh, ocean of talent that Japan can pick from in manners of players and coach. But uh, as well, Japan has also a target in, uh, in Tokyo 2020 uh, football competition that I believe that the, this, the forthcoming Copa America will be used uh, in order to gain this exact identity and philosophy that some kind was lost in the Asian Cup despite reaching to the final. And I think Scott will agree with me or correct me if, if, I, if I'm saying something wrong. Uh, but Qatar has also huge aspirations for the Olympics, and also eyeing to, to uh, World Cup to two, uh, 2022 as a, a very important goal because we need to understand this tournament has potential to change a lot of things in the football world, regardless if it will be played only in Qatar or uh, in another few countries uh, in the Gulf, and uh, regardless of the fact if you, it will be a 32-team World Cup of 48, a World Cup in Asia, a World Cup in the Middle East has a huge potential to the football to, to impact and change the, you know, to, be, to become a life changing experience for football in the region. And in a way, as, as someone who covers these uh, scenarios and uh, live and eat and breathe this football 24 hours a day, I'm kind of happy that Qatar and Japan are going to test their, their skills in a much harder competition than what they used to, of course.
0: Well uh, Scott coming to you with the same aspect of the questions Uri said that he would like to see Japan leave their conservative approach and go out and get the most out of the players do you see Japan doing that in the Copa America for me I'm not uh,
2: particularly uh, worried uh, one way or another I, I find it quite curious uh, to be honest that um that these nations are are even competing in this tournament I mean uh, we just come off the uh, equivalent uh, tournament in Asia and never in our uh, you know wildest mind and so did it um, uh, Consume our thoughts that maybe uh, Vanuatu, uh, for example, should have been uh, in this uh, competition. I find the whole um, the concept uh, rather curious. Why, uh, why this is happening? And uh, and and honestly, um, as I spoke with Paul on the on the podcast that we did this week, uh, I, I think in many ways this is just a precursor for me um, uh, towards what I uh, believe and um, what also uh, I'm led to believe will be the the ultimate disintegration uh, of confederations as we know them. Uh, this is, uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure, is uh, the plan of uh, Infantino. It's the plan. Why we're we having a 48-team World Cup? Why we're we having a 48-team World Cup? Because uh, he wants to include as many uh, players uh, as you can. You know, at least uh, give them a belief uh, that they can reach uh, that stage. And and to do that, you uh, you ensure that you have uh, incredible backing, uh, and you ensure that you control the, the the money and the finances that flow through to that. So uh, for me, this whole. Um, uh, ongoing situation with the Copper America and, and invited teams is just the beginning uh, of the end. I mean, it shouldn't be happening. Let's be honest, right? Uh, you, have a confed- you have a confederation yeah, yeah. for a reason. Do not invite other uh, regions. Uh, you know, why, why was nobody um, considering that we should bring, a, I don't know, a Zambia or a, a Madagascar or something to the... It's just the... It's, it's in a, it's a, a nonsensical uh, idea. So for me, it
0: spoils the purpose of having different confederation uh, competitions, right?
2: But uh, wh- I bring it back again. What is the point? Um, as I've raised uh, throughout the tournament, uh, for me, what is um, what is Asia? This is the the bigger question. I mean, I've said it a uh, hundred thousand times that, uh, in 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 my opinion, there is um, almost uh, nothing in common in any way, shape, or form. Uh, if we look at uh, say India and uh, and Guam, or if we look at uh, Australia and Kyrgyzstan, or if we look at uh, Tajikistan and Lebanon. I mean, uh, you know, in, in, in almost um, these cases and many others, uh, language is not similar, uh, religion is not similar, uh, cuisine is not similar, uh, cultural and societal norms are, are not similar. So it uh, it makes little sense to have um, a confederation that we randomly call Asia, because you can't even say it's on the same confederation, because we have we have the northern Mariana Islands, we have the Philippines, uh, we have Guam, we have Japan, as separated uh, continent. Uh, a lot of people forget that Japan's nearest neighbor, uh, Naveen, I think, I can't remember if uh, one night on the bus I put this to, you, you, but I'll put it to you now. Uh, can you tell me what country is the nearest neighbor to Japan?
0: Okay, this is really bad. Philippines?
2: <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's quite a, a way away. But, uh, I think <laughs> really bad at ge- geography. <laughs> that's about 600 kilometers away, but that's all right.
0: Um, uh, South Korea no,
1: isn't it? I'm, I'm that's guessing. A, no,
2: Uri, that's the that's the standard answer that 90% I will give. But it's not. Uh, Japan's nearest neighbor is Russia. Uh, there's, a, there's about 40 kilometers uh, between the north of Japan uh, and uh, Russia, right? And Well, the Russians are busy playing in the UFO. Huh? This is what I'm saying, right? And Russia is playing in the uh, UFO, right? So uh, this is my whole point about, uh, <laughs> uh, about what I don't understand, uh, the whole purpose um, of Confederation. So I, I know you asked me a specific question about... Uh, you know what Japan wants to get, and what they want to get is obviously, uh, as we said, you know valuable experience leading into the Olympics, and then uh, you know following that into a World Cup campaign. But I, the the prism through which I look at it is is really uh, this is the beginning of a reshaping of global football, uh, and and it's very fascinating. We're seeing it in the same week where uh, Infantino has been, you know, basically a uh, coronated. Um, I mean, I find it astonishing that that nobody uh, is prepared to challenge uh, the guy and 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 try and um, uh, you know remake or reform or continue uh, whatever processes of uh, of development to cleaning up the game that we see happening um we can argue that that's uh, not happening at all but uh really i think it's the beginning of the end of confederation so it's fascinating that we're tying uh, kind of all those uh, threads together well
0: threads 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 everywhere but uh... The Asian Cup in UAE also had some bad news during the competition. UAE tried their best to keep it away, but things didn't stay, stay away. One of the biggest news, Scott, you were following was the eligibility of Al Ale and Basham Al Ravi of the Qatari side. It came as surprising that AFC just dismissed it by saying no comment.
2: Uh, for me, I need to be uh, very careful what I say. But uh, yes,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: Scott, uh, yeah, I was about to say, watch out, man.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I, I mean, it's. Um, I think in in any. Um, uh, I mean, I I have uh, seen and and I have uh, in my possession uh, a whole um cache of documents. Um, that, Uh, I mean, I'm no uh, lawyer, but. Uh, but certainly, on the surface of it, they they seem to purport to, to give uh, the UAE a very strong case uh, in this matter. And uh, and if um, if you were to um, receive the same documents that I've received, as I'm sure the AFC did, um, it, it it would take an investigation that stretches, uh, I mean, months. I mean, really, you need to go uh, to the heart of. Um, uh, you know, various, um, not just football bodies, but government bodies in uh, in Iraq. You need to do the same in Sudan. Uh, certainly, I've had it put to me um, uh, by people in Egypt uh, that uh, there are suspicions about uh, other members uh, of this squad uh, of Egyptian background as well. I believe it doesn't stop there. It uh, certainly has been put to me also that... Um, uh, quite a sizable number of uh, players that are coming through um the the, the setup in uh, spire also have uh, legitimate questions that uh, need to be investigated as well and, and for all these um rather serious uh, claims and, and let's not this was not a frivolous um uh, moment by the UAE they believed uh, that they had evidence um, to back these claims they had a, a legal team uh, working with them uh, um, you know on this I mean it wasn't just uh, you know three guys uh, in a bar uh, kind of uh, you know making up stuff right so uh, for, for such serious claims to be put to a body and then to, to be resolved um, to everybody's uh, satisfaction in the AFC within 48 hours and uh, and, and I asked them many times uh, specific questions and I was told that no information uh, can be given uh, I, I find it um, very uh, <laughs> really bizarre to be honest that that such a serious um, issue can be at least now to the AFC's the satisfaction resolved within 48 hours but I can tell you uh, I don't think it's going to be the end of it and and uh, it's my understanding that uh, this is going to be uh, appealed through the AUC, that doesn't work, it'll go to FIFA. And if that doesn't work, it's going to go to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And we're talking mm-hmm. about uh, one, two years down the line. And uh, I don't need to remind you uh, what point of the calendar uh, that is approaching. It's approaching the Qatar World Cup. So the the question for everybody, and, and certainly if I was in the, the QFA, I've uh, written a numerous uh, at times to the Qatar Football Association uh, asking for explanation, asking for comment, and uh, all of my um, messages have been uh, ignored, uh, point blank, right? So I think everybody is just, uh, you know, holding their um, their hands over their ears are putting their uh, head into their, uh, uh, you know, legs and uh, going in the fetal position and hoping that this is going to go away. But I don't think it's going to go away. And, and the longer that it goes on with, uh, without a resolution uh, potentially uh, the more damaging that this is going to become and I mean if um, if, if some of these issues you know around eligibility uh, were to be confirmed I mean it, uh, it has the potential to really uh, completely damage uh, the World Cup, it has the potential to, to damage all this work that had been going on We despair, I don't know, if these claims are uh, true uh, not true uh, one way or the other. But uh, at the very least, what we deserve uh, from the Asian Football Confederation is uh, is a thorough, uh, detailed uh, investigation into what's a very... A complex matter. They, of course, did this uh, with the with the exact case with a Timor, and that investigation took uh, uh, you know months and months and months to come uh, to an outcome. So just quite why they were prepared to go to to that length with a minor nation. Uh, th- we can say that that not many people are p- perhaps so interested in. And then within a, a space of less than 48 hours, they concluded <laughs> this investigation. I mean, a beggars belief. I mean, nobody believes it, right? Who <laughs> no. yeah, in their right mind, mind believes that this surprise. was done? So. It, does,
0: it did come as a real surprise. uri coming to you with the same thing. Have you heard anything from the Qatar side? of the whole story, QFA, Aspire, or the government as such, because this problem doesn't uh, restrict itself to Football alone, right?
1: Yes, of course. Look, uh, you cannot neglect or put aside all the things Scott has, uh, has told us right now, because this is worrying. And if, if we discussed earlier in this conversation the fact that uh, international football and confederations football is uh, is lost in a clear way and becoming a very sketchy thing, this is a great expression or a, a great uh, symptom of this process. And I think that, uh, you know, in Qatar, people have seriously neglected it. And the main, the main uh, claims were, okay, why, why are you broughting it uh, just now? The other, other claim was uh, trying to make a proof or create certificates of uh, the mother of uh, Basam el-Gawi and, uh, and uh, the roots of uh, Ali El-Moa's uh, mother... And for me, and for a lot of uh, a lot of people in the region, it looked, um, I would say, uh, not too adequate to say the least. Huh? it wasn't it wasn't one percent one hundred percent prepared. But I think this whole situation, yes, of uh, of judging these players at this moment, because I I try to 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 analyze things in a in a way that say okay. I, I don't like to say uh, what would be happening if, but I, would, I must ask it in this situation, because we know the, the kind of relationship in the Gulf uh, between the countries, between the UAE and Qatar, and between Saudi Arabia and Qatar, and let's say the result was different in the semi final, that the UAE would be winning and going to the final. Would, would, we're, uh, would they, they were fill in this, uh, this claim against the Qatari side? Who knows?
2: Uri, you know, Uri, Uri, Uri. I, but Uri, I think. Sorry to cut you off, but I, I think we need yes. to raise the point that my understanding is that uh, even the Iraq um, Football Association, when they got to the bundle up Qatar, weren't aware of this issue until um, uh, media reports, let's say, basically led by me, uh, were uh, were raised. And uh, that's certainly my understanding of the yes, situation yes, yes, within see, the Iraq Federation that they didn't know that the basis on which these players were registered was uh, was the fact that, in the certainly in the case of Bassam Arawi, that he uh, allegedly had a mother who was born in Iraq. And I've spoken to, um, uh, to numerous uh, people, uh, high-ranking officials uh, uh, within Iraq, who have claimed to me point-blank, that they have been told, point-blank, by, uh, by officers within uh, the, 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 the relevant um, immigration departments within Iraq, that they have absolutely no doubts whatsoever. And these, uh, again, we repeat our all allegations. But this is what was uh, conveyed to me that uh, that Bassam Harawi's mother was born in Iraq, and this is indeed, 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 indeed. Uh, and, and this and this is claimed. But they didn't know that this was the situation, so therefore, uh, once the period has expired for them uh, to lodge a protest, uh, they didn't uh, lodge the protest. But. But, uh, I mean, we are sitting here. I mean, I, if, if I have uh, received uh, this uh, kind of uh, serious claims uh, that have uh, been put to me as being backed by senior, uh, you know, um, ministry officials within the Iraqi government, that they have uh, they have a, a passport, uh, an Iraqi passport uh, for Bassam Harawi's rawis mother, uh, that uh, additionally they have uh, birthed the documents that she was born in Iraq. If this has been put to me as a journalist, then why on earth are we uh, expected to see sit here and accept uh, that within 48 hours this has been resolved so i understand the political background as you're saying and the and the, the relationships and, uh, and and otherwise between these nations but but mm-hmm. if iraq uh, weren't aware of the situation that uh, which i understand that uh, mm-hmm. that they were registered as being eligible uh, by the fact that the mothers had births, because if the if the iraqi bodies that didn't know this then it's understanding that they didn't but this, of course, came to, uh, to light and then immediately, uh, uh, you know, you can say also then the UAE uh, authorities also indeed, learned about this indeed, and were indeed. prepared to investigate it. But, but yeah. if, if all these bodies were rushing together and trying to investigate it, then how can yeah. we sit here and accept that this was uh, wrapped up within 48 hours. And, and this has the potential, as was the case with the John Book, uh, which, again, I was uh, leading, which, yes, uh, leading the yes. charge to, over, uh, to have this investigated. And uh, with Tim Moore, that the, my colleague uh, Jack Kerr in Australia uh, by the New York Times also investigated. So why are we as journalists doing the mm-hmm. work that the afc should be paid to do they have a well resourced and let me tell you incredibly a well resourced legal department so why are we the ones uh, doing the work that should be done for them they should be going through the process of vetting every single uh, player man woman child every single person on the basis of every single document and they should be verifying it so this doesn't happen now and as i um, repeat repeat uh, the the same uh, situation if we wait uh, now one two years for this um, course to take its um, you know uh, process and we lead it up into the Qatar World Cup you know what's going to happen it's not just going to be uh, you know, me and someone else. It's going to be uh, you know, a fleet of um, English tabloids uh, uh, thirsty for blood uh, circling in the water uh, that are doing this. So this is, this is now the reality that we've set ourselves, right? One, in my opinion, yeah. uh, the victory has been overshadowed by this. Uh, there are legitimate um, issues that are not resolved and the entire build-up to the World Cup is now going to be overshadowed by these uh, eligibility issues unless a Qatar comes out or the AFC comes out or someone comes out. And so don't you find it curious that the QFA in all of this could have come out and said, uh, the players are 100% eligible, there's no issues, da, 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 but we haven't heard a word from them, right? So what does absolutely, that do? Absolutely. It naturally raises <laughs> suspicions and questions. And the longer you remain silent, the more you're doing is uh, fueling uh, this uh, press pack to go and investigate these claims that the AFC should have been investigating and have wrapped up. So it's a messy situation for the AFC by their own making. It's a messy situation for Qatar uh, by their own making. And it's certainly, I can tell you, something is not going to go away. And he's even got to uh, amplify and intensify uh, in the build-up to the World Cup. So it's not satisfactory from anybody's point of view, until one way or the other, we can have a, a genuine, well-researched um, answers as to whether these two players, and indeed others, are eligible to play for Qatar. And again, I bring it back to the point I raised before. What we're saying is that what the story we're led to believe is that their mother's have come uh, from a particular background, uh, somehow they've come to find their way uh, to Qatar at the time again when it was a nation of 70 or 80,000 people with limited uh, immigration in any, any way, shape, or form. Then suddenly uh, they have a child that was born in another nation, and then suddenly they come back. I mean, you can understand why people are legitimately uh, raising questions about this uh, sequence of events. No, so, no argument as answers.
1: No, 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 no argument about this. And the fact that, and you are absolutely right that this issue is a ticking bomb. For, uh, for Qatar, for Asian football and for world football. Because, as you are saying, if it will reach the boiling point around the World Cup in 2002, God knows what will be the consequences. Yet and still, Scott, we need to remember one thing, okay? This kind of issue, if we go now, and this is a very, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not representing here Qatar or the Qatar FA or the Aspire Academy or no one. I'm just saying the situation as is. If we go now across the world, we can find tens, if not hundreds of stories like this. The situation with eligible players and the backgrounds of their families in world football, in international football, like in national team football, is creating a a picture. And this story is highlighting highlighting that. The picture is very, very, very uh, sketchy and unclear because if we go into Amuri's story, yeah, Omar Abdul-Rahman of the UAE. Yeah, of it's course. It's also interesting. If we go to, to Rahim Sterling's story, it's also interesting. If we go to France national team, with so many players through in the past 20 years, we can discover no. many things that, we, that people simply, as you uh, described beautifully, sat with their head be- be- between their uh, knees and waited for the train to go through.
2: Yeah, you're, you're, um, cor- you're 100% correct, and this is, uh, this is a bigger uh, picture story. And I mean, even the case um, uh, in Australia, I mean, we uh, have had the um, uh, players in the same uh, uh, situation in this particular tournament. I mean, we uh, were born in you know, refugee camps in Kenya, but uh, there's a regulation within uh, FIFA that allows you uh, to request an exemption uh, to those rules. So those um, uh, exemptions uh, in this case, and indeed in many other cases, were requested and were granted. That's my understanding that this was not the case in Qatar. So what we need to establish is... Uh, I understand the, also the, the problems. You know, if a player has been in a country and, and also the the heartbreaking thing for me in all of this is that it's overshadowing the fantastic work that, that's being done by Aspire. Because I mean, I've been uh, to that uh, academy on uh, several occasions and, and, and seen the, you know, I mean, the facilities are genuinely world class. It's not happening, in, in my opinion, anywhere else in the world. The uh, Associated the Medical Center at Aspitar is also uh, brilliant, and uh, what they're doing is unquestionably producing exceptional footballers. But yes. none of that can overshadow. Uh, the fact that all of those players must, and uh, uh, and in capital letters M-U-S-T, must be eligible under the current FIFA guidelines to play for Qatar. And there's been legitimate questions raised over that. In my opinion, they've been glossed over and dismissed uh, in a very... um, amazing uh, span of time uh, by the AFC and uh, and people are holding their ears thinking uh, it's going to go away. or It's not going to go away. It's going to get worse, right? So instead yeah. of instead of correctly investigating this and thoroughly investigating in the first place, all the AFC has done and all Qatar has done by their refusal to come out and uh, address this is make the situation uh, 15 times worse than it could have been, right? If it was immediately addressed... And uh, whatever the outcome was, right? Whether We don't know what the outcome was. Whatever it was, right? But it was a thorough investigation. And by thorough, I do not mean 48 hours during a tournament because nobody in their right minds accepts that as being thorough, particularly not in the precedents that have gone on within the the Asian Football Confederation. But if that was thoroughly done, then this issue could have been uh, nailed and completed once and for all by every party remaining silent and zipping their lips and hoping it's gone away. All you've done is feed the sharks and it's going to get worse and worse and worse.
0: Absolutely. One thing that comes out of this, it highlights the sloppiness on part of the federations, be the AFC or QFA or any other federation for that matter, just highlights the sloppiness on their part. <laughs> Guys, that about the sloppiness that we were talking about, but as a competition, AFC Asian Cup this time around in 2019, saw 24 teams in action. Scott, what do you make of the whole competition?
2: Uh, initially, I was kind of uh, skeptical, I'm not sure about the whole thing, and, uh, and indeed at points, uh, during uh, the tournament, I was skeptical and unsure of it, but but having um, at the time to reflect on it, I think it was actually um, a, a good thing. I mean, uh, the, the one benefit that we saw was that every nation was still alive, right, until the, the final group um, stage match, which is, uh, which is a benefit. Nobody's going home. Uh, teams may know that they're through, but uh, nobody knows that they're eliminated, which is a, a, a positive. I mean, the flip side to that is that, you know, you could have uh, seen nations, uh, you know, Palestine, that uh, we know as well were on the verge of getting through without having won a game or scored a goal. So that's not an ideal a scenario wider, but I it was balance... worse.
1: Scott, they, they, they had only three kicks, three shots on yeah. target. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, 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 I mean, but we saw the benefit of it. I mean, like, uh, let's say, okay, a nation like Kyrgyzstan, for example, wouldn't have uh, qualified under the, the traditional um, uh, methods, but they came out and showed, um, uh, you know, that uh, they're really competitive at this level, are unearthed now, some great players. of Vietnam, again, may have been in the same situation. We've now seen a bunch of, uh, you know, Vietnamese players uh, move um, to bigger clubs abroad and hopefully we'll see more, which is something that I've been arguing for a while. So those, um, you know, either developing or smaller nations, it's been a real uh, wonderful experience and, and it surely will hold them uh, instead, you know, going forward into future qualifying campaigns. So uh, I've said a lot of times, I think uh, the standard is narrowing in Asia, but I think that's a combination of the, the, the nations are towards the middle of the bottom tiers pushing up and the nations in the top uh, perhaps uh, dropping down a few tiers. So you'd like to still see, uh, you know, some heavyweight uh, kind of nation in Asia. Can we say from the basis of this tournament that any nation uh, conceivably can go on and win the World Cup in uh, 2022? I don't think we can uh but uh, can we say that asia generally is becoming more competitive uh, as a result uh, i think we can also and and from that point of view um you know really uh, we've uh, criticized at the aec a lot but i think this is probably one thing that, that they've got right and i'm i'm certainly uh you know on on reflection a fan of it
0: well uri what about you you were a fan of the 24 nation competition or how was your experience covering the whole competition in uae yeah
1: well so for me I... First of all, I mean, I, I agree with Scott, you know, I think one of the positive outcomes of the 24-team uh, Asian Cup is the fact that, you know, it was clear that a team uh, like Yemen uh, or uh, or others had no um, had no chance for, for, for qualifying or doing great things, but it opened the continent and it connected uh, a lot of nations together and uh, in a way that uh, I think it's positive because Basically, um, we want to see Asian nations, and for me, I want to see Middle Eastern teams becoming more competitive in the international level, uh, and I think the potential is there. And as Scott said, great, you know, you see now Vietnam, and uh, Kong Feng, who's done an amazing tournament, is now, I don't know if it's close or not, but he he is, they are talking for him going to the Korean league, which is a great sign, you know, because we want to see these nations develop, and, and the talent is out there for sure and if we want to grow as a, as a, as a whole scene so this uh, 2014 Asian Cup definitely giving the stage for it and for for the Middle Eastern teams I think you know also Palestine that they actually really managed to to gain only three shots on target they had the, the, their hopes they had their the time to show the talent uh, the problems of the Palestinian uh, football are are much bigger than only this tournament and, uh, and the capabilities of the, of the coach. Uh, but I think the players did good in, in, the, in the group they had. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of it, but on the same time, I think that um, the problem is the image of Asian football uh, international because it w- was a little bit damaged because of the, the two first match days. Because, okay, we watch uh, uh, Asian football, so we know the level, we know the, the leverage is very wide. But, you know, for people who are not familiar with the level, at the football, if they were excited to start to watch the tournament, the first two match days were a little bit too hard to watch in manners of level differences and also not that attractive football, because of the, of the, of the majority of the teams. So, I think it's somewhere in the middle for me, but I think it overall it's a positive uh, decision of the AFC. Uh, at least one positive uh, for our discussion today, eh?
0: Absolutely, guys. Well, guys, uh, before we wrap up, one last segment. Uh, this is a rapid fire, but I just wanted you to tell me what pops up into your mind when, when I say that. Scott, starting, to, uh, starting with you first. Your best moment from UA 2019, Scott. What would that be? Well,
2: me as a uh, unavailed uh, fan of uh, Nguyen Quang Hai, the attacking midfielder uh, uh, from uh, Vietnam, to, to be in that stadium and um, and and sit there, you know, amongst uh, at least a dozens of uh, supporters and watch that uh, truly world class um, uh, free kick uh, go in that. Um uh, for me, I, I think I, I made uh, more noise than most people in the stadium uh, that night. It was um, it was fantastic uh, to, to be there and, and see that. I think we saw some some really good goals um, throughout the time. Now it's rapid fire, so uh, I'll uh, leave it at that. But uh, yeah, certainly the the free kick um, from. Uh uh, Nguyen Kwang Hai for me was a, was a real highlight. And what about your worst moment? My, well, my, my worst moment was, um, again, uh, we're talking about this um, a melding of, of confederations, uh, w- quite why we had a, um, a guest referee from outside Asia uh, is curious to me uh, to begin with, because we have uh, 47 nations in Asia, and not only our players, but you know, officials who've, uh, who've trained and, and dreamt all of their life uh, of reaching uh, this stage, and uh, in my opinion, we have... Um, some of the best uh, officials in the world. I mean, Ravshan ermatov the guy, the guy that did, uh, did the final, he's um, not only a superb uh, referee, but he's an icon uh, in Uzbekistan. I mean, arguably uh, more popular than any of the, the players I've been to Uzbekistan many times. And you, you uh, walk down the streets of Tashkent and you don't see, uh, you know, um, uh, pop stars or, or um, you know, film icons uh, advertising things. What you see advertising, uh, you know, mobile phones and water is uh, Ravshan Ermatov. I mean, the, the referee. I mean, this, <laughs> this guy is a hero uh, to all Uzbeks, right? <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and behind him, uh, there's, you know, there's many. I mean, uh, Mohamed Tati, the, the Singaporean guy, who's come uh, from, a, let's say, a very a modest uh, league in terms of playing standards, but he's a wonderful uh, referee. And there's many, many, many more right across Asia. But there's uh, Aluna
0: Zafagini also.
2: Of course, uh, yeah, Mr. Fagani. He's a rather uh, strict uh, gentleman, but, uh, but a very good... A referee as well, uh, and and there are so many uh, right across Asia, even in the so-called smaller nations. So, so for these uh, you know men, uh, maybe we can also include the argument to say we should have had women uh, in this whole debate as well. But uh, to, you know, for these men throughout Asia to you know to hone their craft for for in many cases much longer than the players, and to have that um, opportunity dashed uh, to bring a guest referee in, and then for that guest referee uh, to really embarrass himself uh, in many ways, and in my opinion, he was intimidated. Uh, he didn't understand uh, the. The, 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 the way that the players were, were likely to react to the flavour well, I remember and, uh, your and in Ali activities. during that Australia <laughs>
0: that's right. game
2: that's right I mean of of, uh, of our game uh, in Asia right so we, we shouldn't have been inviting these people in the first place and god knows we should not have been giving them uh, very important matches right at uh, at the point end of the tournament uh, that um, and, and as i've said again the over um, really uh, um, emphasis on you know vip's and, uh, and and royalty and shake them and all this uh, kind of crap ahead of the fans uh, is really disappointing for me. And it never should it be announced at any football stadium around the world, um, you know, uh, instead of uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, uh, your highness your and, your, and your excellencies, right? This is fucking crap. And uh, this, is something <laughs> that the, this is something that the AFC needs to address because it's not a game uh, for wealthy dudes in palaces, right? It's a game for people uh, on the streets. And, and, and by very much presenting that at every uh, game, that who are the most important people here they're the richer vip's that's nonsense right and this is not our game and it's a shameful moment again from the ac and something that uh, i really hope that we don't see uh, ever again
0: absolutely and your best player from the competition scott Ooh,
2: best player wow 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 uh, wow, wow wow now Cheers, wow. now we're talking um uh I mean there's uh, again there's a lot of obviously fantastic uh, uh Qatari performances Akram fifa uh, is, okay. is, is, is a fan favorite of mine you know from uh, youth uh tournaments um but but I think uh, maybe a guy that's not getting um much credit is uh, ali Reza beveran the the Iranian goalkeeper who at many points made uh, crucial uh, saves including in that um uh, you know re- rather remarkable match uh, early on where he saved you know the the, the, the penalty in that in that game that could have uh, changed things as well i mean uh, goalkeepers uh, don't often uh, get applauded you know we've seen um uh, Lewis Ali uh, uh, score these goals but i think um yeah for me i mean Matt Ryan's performance was uh, very good for australia but i think uh, bever under uh, you can make a claim really is um is asia's uh, finest goalkeeper and and potentially one of the finest that we've seen you know in in many, many years, and uh, he, he saved Iran on many occasions, as much as, you know, the story has been about Iran going forward. But uh, I think for me, at the, the other end of the pitch, he was also uh, a real immense force. So if we have to pick one, uh, I'm going to pick him.
0: Well, I'm an absolute fan of that, man. What about a player who disappointed you, a guy you thought could do well but didn't turn up?
2: Jeez. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> putting dude, on the spot uh, here
0: now.
2: You are putting me on the spot. Uh, in terms of a player that's disappointed me... Um, well, I mean, uh, in that case, uh, we have to be uh, saying it's maybe from a uh, from a nation that didn't get through the group. So uh, I, I don't know if there really were um, that many. Can I pick a coach? Can I pick Stephen Constantine from India for your for your local uh, audience? I mean, after that um, that first result, uh, really, India should um, have, have in many ways uh, walked through to the to knockout okay, so stages. So to not quite do that um, is is astonishing. And you know, he's obviously. Um, uh, a pilloried uh, and a divisive uh, figure in, in Indian football, he's, his reigns finished. So, I don't know if we can say he's not a player, but he's, uh, he's the man that's disappointed me uh, in terms of the, the tournament up to this point. I mean, he's had this team for a long time, longer than almost uh, any coach at this tournament and, uh, and really should have been uh, able to navigate the way through that group and didn't do so.
0: Well, and finally, a team that surprised you. Uh, Kyrgyzstan.
2: You yeah, I think uh, they were With very... Uh, lucky
0: you're a fan, aren't you?
2: Yeah, yes, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 the fish pin-up boy. He's, uh he, he was, uh, he was, uh, he was, uh, he was a, um, yeah, a, a real fine player. And that team uh, itself was a real real revelation and, and one of the great positives to come out of the tournament.
0: All right. Uh, Scott, thanks a lot for joining us. But listeners, we are not done yet, Scott. Th- it was great having you on the show. And I hope that you can join us on Injury Time pretty soon.
2: Anytime, guys. It's snowing here in Tokyo and it's late. <laughs> so I've, I've, got to, um, I've got to get home. But it's a, it's a real privilege and an honour to be on the show. And uh, not only that, the, this is the great thing about Asian football, the fact that, you know, Naveen, I had the chance to to meet you several times. to read really the same. Um, it's a... It's an incredible privilege. You guys are wonderful our advocates of uh, of the game, of our game. It's the game of the people, and it's the game of um, you know our region. And I'm so proud and, and happy to you know I've got to see you guys uh, during this tournament. And keep up the great work.
0: Thanks a lot, uh, Scott. You all, you to continue the good work with the Asian game, and we'll see you soon. See you, boys. Take care. Well, with Scott gone, Uri, all eyes are on you now. It's time for the rapid fire with you. Your best moment from the Asian Cup. Yes. Yeah, so for me, the best
1: moment from this Asian Cup was. Uh... Literally, Iran against Iraq, nil-nil tie, you know, it was a great for me, even if it was, a new, for me it was a very important moment because this is the classic of football and for many years, you know, as a personal dream, as a personal inspiration for me, this game was very important. So it was a, a priv- I felt privilege to see these two amazing sets of crowds and, you know, if there is one match that creates really a good atmosphere in this tournament, from both sets of crowds, I think offense, Iran against Iraq is the best Middle Eastern football clash that, uh, that we have. And for me, it was even it was a nil-nil. Uh, the game was intense. We've seen a good fight from both teams. Uh, to to see two great minds like Carlos Kairos and Sretko Katanets, uh from both sides, such great players also. This Iran team is, you know, with Behran van der Scott mentioned, but also with uh, John Bach and uh, Ashkan Ashkande shaga was uh, brilliant in this tournament, and Sardar Azmoon and so many other players that were so good, and as well as Iraq, with Mohamed Ali, which was a, a, a top player Ali Adnan, which is the top player uh, in all the team. Was, was, uh, Iraq was a brilliant team and was basically unlucky to meet the champions uh, that early, you know, in the, in the, in the last 16. Absolutely. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so for me, Iran against Iraq was the top moment. Of this, uh, you know, my personal top moment. Well,
0: I remember that game. I was there in Dubai for that game. There was no one moment in that match that you could take your eyes off because every single second, every single minute, there was something or the other happening on the pitch.
1: Most definitely. For me, it was uh, the top moment, my personal top moment for the tournament, no doubt.
0: And what about your worst moment? Do you have a worst moment from Asian Cup 2019? I I think the worst moment... uh, (sighs) Hmm... Look, I
1: felt I felt uncomfortable at uh, at Zayed uh, Zayed Sports City Stadium. Uh, actually, we met at this match after the in the mix zone. But you know yeah, the yeah. fact that the Saudi fans booed throughout the Qatari anthem, and the players didn't shook hands. And I think you know. It's okay if you are if, if it's an international friendly. It's okay if it's a I don't know World Cup qualifier with no fans around or something. But man, you are playing under the slogan "Bringing Asia Together."
0: You know and that was surprising I, what happened.
1: Uh, there. Yeah, yeah, of course I know. So so I didn't like it. You know I didn't feel good with it. I think that uh, you know football is bringing uh, people like me. And you and Scott on a Skype call from three different time zones because we love this game, you know. And we come Absolutely. from different places, from different cultures, and this game—it's what brings us together. So this kind of gesture, just I'm saying, ah man, come on, this is not this is not respectful, you know. Yeah,
0: uh, was really disappointing that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what about your best player? Player who really, really enjoyed watching.
1: Yeah, so wow, uh, so many good players uh, that they, you know, that uh, gave me a lot of inspiration to write and uh, and to continue cover the Asian game in this tournament. I think Bayron van der Scott mentioned he's a wonderful player, is a legendary goalkeeper. People is underestimating the, his level. I think he, this guy is an international level in uh, in so many so many aspects of his game and the fact that he conceded three goals for the first time in the semi-final was absurd for me. Um, You know, al was very dominant, but I think the brain behind uh, this champion on the field was Akram Afif. Well, uh, I was waiting for that name. I was just waiting for that. That guy was really, really good. Really good. And I think we need also to give uh, a credit for uh, Abdul Karim Hassan. Right, uh, because you know, in Qatar's first half in the tournament against Lebanon, they looked very bad, and uh, Abdel Karim Hassan was sitting on, on the bench. Uh, Felix Sanchez didn't start at him; he only right. put in, put him in in the sixtieth minute. So at that moment, Qatar changed and started to be more attacking, played with more confidence at the back, and you know, basically, many people argued and said that his pick for the Asian Player of the Year award by the AFC was, you know, corrupted or whatever and allegedly not uh, uh, justified. And it's okay. But I think in this tournament, we've seen how dominant this player can be, how important it is to have an athlete, athletic uh, uh, left back in Asia, you know, he gave Qatar something that basically only three teams or two teams could could say they have. Japan, Iran, and Qatar. These are the teams who had like a, a creative, talented, uh, technical, and athlete left back, and it would be, we are seeing Great. it as a key for for Asian football. And I think Abdul Karim Hassan is deserved for much more credit for this Qatar Triumph than maybe in the level of uh, Almoha and Akama Afif who are attacking players. So, obviously, they get more credit and more, you know, blink-blink. But, yeah, abdur yeah. is, is unbelievable.
0: Well, Hassan does the dirty job pretty well as well.
1: Yes, indeed. He has everything. He's the full package.
0: Absolutely. And a player who disappointed you, someone you expected could do well but didn't turn up? Yes,
1: I think uh, for me, Ali Rezajan Baksh
0: yeah. uh,
1: from Iran. Uh, you know uh, there are moments in life Naveen that uh, you need to step up and you need to understand that it's now or never because
0: well how much of that goes down to the fact that he was coming back from an injury and an injury that kept him out of football for quite a long time
1: yes I I totally agree with you and this was my argument with all our beloved and many uh, Iranian and Persian uh, followers on Baba Gold that you (laughs) know I criticized him but I, I I I expect from a player who come back from an injury straight to the, to the Asian Cup that if he cannot uh, prevail and uh, display his uh, best level at the tournament, at least become a leader, you know, or right, help right. the team in a way. And he wasn't dominant, not in this uh, aspect of the game and not the other. You know, this Iran was 100% Iran of uh, Ashkan Dejaga. And I think another leader... One from the younger generation, as John Bach, even that he's not capable for providing his best for 90 minutes, but only can, you know, give 100% from what he can now for 60 or 70 minutes, he couldn't, you know, uh, put a little bit more effort in the leadership side and to show that he cares about the team more and not, you know, becoming the first substitution in every game. Because you are a player of £17 million. You are the player that 80 million Iranians look at him and expect him to provide magic. You understand? So for me, I'm, I'm disappointed from him. Regardless, I know he came back from a long uh, injury, it's okay. But come on, man. You are 24. You uh, you are the top scorer of the Dutch uh, Premier League. You are the highest uh, ever transfer in Brighton Hove albion history and one of the most notable players in the Premier League, uh, you know. In, in manners of expectations, it's time for you to shine for the national team too. And I think if, if Reza was in a better shape or in better leadership mode in this tournament, Iran could go to the final and, and would not break apart the way they did against Japan.
0: Well, Johan Baksh really disappointed Uri there. But Uri, a team that, who really, that really surprised you. Which team would that be? Wow, the thing that surprised me, I would say it's a
1: phenomenon. It's not, it's not a team, okay? I would say, okay. Right. Okay. It's, it's interesting. Um, Tell me. Yeah, of course, Kyrgyzstan, as Scott said, was uh, interesting. But what surprised me was something a little bit more wider than just a team. It was the fact that, you know, in the UAE, you had the whole package of the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yes, everything yes. you go, you saw the signs and you saw Asian Cup but the people of the UAE, they were, weren't so connected to the tournament. They did not understand there is an Asian championship going on in their cities.
0: Well, many people didn't know about it.
1: Yeah, I think, I think what surprised me the most in this tournament was the lack of good marketing by the AFC for the event. Something was obviously wrong, you know, and this is surprised me because I covered the World Cup in Russia and I spent in Russia a month and a half and I've seen how such event can change a country, you know, and, and how how people get connected to the football and becoming new fans and 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 the whole city and the whole country is leaving a tournament and uh, stick to the television to watch the game, even if it's Bahrain against India or or other games which are not the the, the home team. You understand what I'm saying? So uh, for me, the the marketing, the lack of marketing, maybe I would say, was the most uh, surprising uh, thing I've seen in this tournament. Uh, But if I need to pick a team, I think Kyrgyzstan was surprising. Um, uh, in the way they played against the UAE in the second round was quite impressive. They really surprised me. But also, I think all the, all the you know, uh, Turkmenistan also surprised me in the first game against Japan. And um, I think I would say also Bahrain. Bahrain, I didn't expect from them, you know, to come because they didn't come, you know, basically they're coming... Uh, Bahrain and Oman, I would say also, they come with, from, a, you know, semi-professional scenes, and right. they played good, they showed a lot of character, even though they ha- right. didn't come with their best teams and their best players, um, they, they provided a great tournament for them in their levels, uh, so, so for me, Bahrain and Uman, you know, in the Middle Eastern scenario, pr- surprised me for, for the better.
0: Well, quite quite a number of surprises, Uri, for there. Guys, that's all on this episode of Injury Time. Uri, thanks a lot for joining us.
1: Thank you for inviting me. It was a big pleasure speaking with you, Naveen, and also with Scott, of course.
0: Absolutely, and it was great uh, meet, meeting you in UAE. I hope we can catch up pretty soon, covering another tournament, probably.
1: Yeah, yeah, Inshallah. Inshallah, we'll come to, to India to watch some uh, Indian football. My, you know, my biggest dream is to, to be in the, in, the, in the Kolkata Derby oh the, all right yeah 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 this Absolutely. is
0: one thanks a lot Uri it was great having you and listener thanks a lot for joining us and staying with us throughout the show like I told you earlier we are there on Twitter and Facebook and you can fo- like and follow us on our Facebook page Injury Time India and on Twitter you can follow us on Injury Time IND until we bring you the next episode of Injury Time have a great be- week and enjoy the game <audio>